guess what? You're going places and you don't even know it. Travelright.today is going to make every holiday minute count for you, my friend. I'm Doug Wallace, and I'm happy to welcome you to today's episode. Yeah, travel is expensive. I get it. But maybe you could do without that new handbag or washer dryer and do your mind a favor and expand it a little. Think about it. Ah, yes, the Christmas. The Christ child's birthday. The holiday in the most need of rebranding. Maybe you're celebrating Hanukkah or Kwanzaa. Regardless, this is the time of year when everybody goes to the airport at the same time, twice. So, today's lesson is on how to stay sane during the holiday travel season. Number one. Early morning and late evening flights are the least busy and will be the least expensive. Also, they're the ones you may be able to use points for. So what? You're getting up at oh dark hundred. You've done it before. Just go to bed earlier. Or you arrive after midnight and your nephew has to pick you up and he's pissed and everybody has to stay awake. Tough. It's a small price to pay for your presence and your presence. Number two, check in as early as you can online. That's 24 hours and get your seat assignment then. All flights will be absolutely packed at this time and with people who don't fly very often and who are excited and you need the peace of mind that comes with sitting where you want. Maybe even in the premium seats. Number three, speaking of packed, you might want to consider checking a bag even if it's the only bag you check all year. You will no doubt be traveling with gifts. The trick is to shop small. So everything fits in your suitcase, unwrapped, of course, for security reasons. I always take the biggest suitcase I have, and everyone is always very glad to see it. Number four, pay the extra money to fly nonstop. Connection delays, given the weather and the crowds and your big checked suitcase and the de-icing and the whatever else, all of this is not worth the hassle. Just pony up and fly right. Number five. This is a two-parter. 5A. Get to the airport early because of the aforementioned crowding. And two, be mentally prepared to turn on the patience. I repeat, the airport will be a zoo. So, get some rest the night before. No hangovers allowed. Be organized and maybe pop an anti-anxiety if that's what you need to calm the fuck down. Number six. Make sure there's an actual paper book in your carry-on in case delays last longer than your tablet charge and there's no plug. Never rely on there being an outlet at your seat. Number seven. If your flight is cancelled or reschedules or there are problems, calling the airline from the gate lounge will net you faster service than standing in line at the counter. And number eight. Other bigger problems like... You hate your mother or don't want to be in the same room as your creepy uncle or hate all the caroling and hate all the red and green shit everywhere. Just toast the season with a nice big scotch. You thought I was going to say stay home, didn't you? We just got back from a week in Barbados, which we started off with a few nights at The Crane, 
which is billed as the oldest continuously running hotel in the Caribbean. It opened in 1887 and has been laying on the luxury hospitality ever since. The rooms, all gigantic suites, filled to the rafters with mahogany everything in grand olden days style. There's a little village in the center of it all with shops and cafes, multiple pools, and the beach consistently makes the world's top 10 lists. The sand is kind of like cornstarch. There's a little elevator, a bikini lift I was calling it, takes you from the resort right down to the beach, to the string of bright blue loungers, big waves, people jumping off the cliff nearby, so peaceful and beautiful. I normally don't like eating anything other than local cuisine when I'm away, but the Italian restaurant Donofrio's was insanely good, like real Italian restaurant, not just resort make-believe Italian food. There are a few original suites you can stay in and a heritage pool that was quiet and kid-free. Super interesting clientele too, many of them coming back every year. Rooms at The Crane from about 300 Canadian. Visit thecrane.com. We were in the Caribbean specifically for the Barbados Food and Rum Festival, celebrating its 10th year. Indulge me a little shout-out here. It started with a giant fish fry at the Venerable Oyston's Market and food demos with local and visiting chefs, including Toronto's Craig Harding from Constantine and La Palma restaurants and my new crush, UK chef Tom Aikens. We hit a couple of beautiful dinners on the beach at La Cabane and up in the North End at Hugo's. There was a street party celebrating the island's food trucks and a big swish party at the Prime Minister's house with canapes and rum drinks for a thousand people. I highly recommend this event each year in October. The value is terrific. Visit foodandrum.com. So, I write about hotels for the London Telegraph and Trivago magazine and hotel-addict.com. So when I go somewhere, I like to stay in as many hotels as possible, even if it means moving every day. I do this out of necessity and because it amuses me. I often advise other people to move around a bit when they travel too, and not just hole up at the same Marriott for seven days. Spread yourself out a bit. When I go on actual vacation, I'll book three hotels for the nine days rather than one, just to get a nice feel for the island or the city or different parts of everything. For Grenada, we first went posh, then rustic and remote, and then mid-range all-inclusive. All were lovely. Maui, same thing. Grand Wailea, la la la, up to the north corner, condo land, and then mid-range on the strip at Kanapali. Two different friends this week were asking me about Curacao, and I was steering them both to either the ritzy golf course at the one end or the shabby chic part of the other side, so they don't get bored. For Barbados, we stayed on the quiet east side of the island at the Eco Lifestyle Lodge for a few days, then moved over to the busier Caribbean side, staying at Ocean 2. You get not only just a round travel experience, but also more bang for your buck. And speaking of buck bangs, here's a real piece of my mind. I get these notices from all the frequent flyer miles people telling me how to use my points. But when I go to book something, 
aeroplan thinks I want to only fly at 7 a.m. and midnight flights to Vancouver. Like, what's the fucking point? I realize collecting aeroplan points is meant to be used toward a larger goal, like the Maldives or Australia or South Africa or all three in one go. But why can't the point system be more useful? My American Airlines points are about to expire, they tell me. And I have so many because because they make it impossible to redeem them. It's like you can just see them in the marketing meetings, like high-fiving when people's points expire. They probably have a bell they ring. So many suckers. Suckers like me. I'll keep collecting the points, though. But maybe I'll donate them to charities. Or maybe I'll just go to Chicago for lunch one day. Isn't that something, eh? How about a nice five-hour hot dog in Chicago with no ketchup? Sign me up. I guess the moral, the moral of the story is there's no free lunch, is there? None. Especially up in the sky. Food for purchase? Food for purchase? Watch your elbows? Watch your purse is more like it. That's it for today. Find more travel inspiration at travelright.today. Thank you for listening, and please hit the like button and hit it hard. <laughs>